We all have heard horror stories of how a remodel nearly tore a couple apart, as well as how impactful our environment can be on our state of well-being. Remodels don't have to end in divorce, and we can reflect our true selves in our environment with the right approach. Welcome to Psychotecture. My name is Rachel Melvald, and I'm a psychotherapist and designer. Psychotecture was developed as a methodological approach to ease issues that come up in design challenges, as well as the philosophy on how our environment can reflect our highest selves. Each week, I will interview an expert in the field of design and psychology to shed light on design challenges. I will also have a special series called The Psychotech is In, where I can offer help to those in design intervention need. Welcome to The Psychotech is In, the sensory integration series. We are very privileged to have a Los Angelino artist by the name of Lori Raskin, who has quite a history with color, going back into studying the Bauhaus, the originator of a lot of color and shapes and design. And it's just synchronistic that we were able to connect with her upcoming opening fall show. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce Lori Raskin. Welcome. Thank you. So nice to be talking to you. Yeah. So Lori, tell me first of all about your background. We can look at your pictures and I will have this up on the website and my newsletter, but if you can give us just a background of how you work with color and how you even go back into the time of the Bauhaus, if you can kind of give me your history with that. Sure. Uh, Probably the history is really my own personal history because I feel I've always looked at the world visually. I studied art as a child. I created my own little painting studio when I was, you know, really young and made a separate little space that was called my studio, which is kind of a funny thing, but I did. And my parents were so supportive that at the time they had these wonderful classes for children at the Los Angeles County Art Museum. And I attended quite a few of them and took classes at Art Center College of Design when I was in high school. And then actually what happened for me, and I was just took art classes my whole life, whether, you know, all through school, is that CalArts was just opening. I attended Beverly Hills High School and they actually came before the school opened because they were recruiting and talking about schools as they do, you know, different colleges and come and talk to students. Well, I just was so enamored because, oh my gosh, that was called the Mickey Ma house. That was going to be like the new Ba house. And, and to go back a little bit, I have to let you know that while I was in high school, there was a very big traveling show in Los Angeles on the 50 year anniversary of the Ba house. And I did see that show because as I mentioned, I took classes at the LA County art museum and I often went to the museum with my mother. And so when I saw that show, I said, Oh gosh, this is me. I don't know why you don't know why these things are, but I had a strong connection to it. And so when CalArts did come around and counted themselves as the new Bauhaus, I said, this is a school for me. And I was quite lucky and fortunate to be recruited by CalArts right out of high school. Yeah, that's one of the premier art schools in our country. So I didn't even realize that's where you went. And so that was synchronistic at the time of that movement or what was happening. You're right. Synchronicity happens quite a bit in my life. And that was just amazing for me that the Bauhaus offered, I guess, the closest thing it did to the Bauhaus is it had all these different schools within the school. So they had the school of dance, they had music, they had art. So you could really transgress into different parts of the school. And I did that, you know, I was certainly in the art design school and I 
focus was mostly graphic design then, but I also played piano. So I was able to study music and I took dance classes and then I did posters for the concerts. And there was always, you know, connection between all the different areas. And it was just total fun. And I, I was in the first graduating class and then went back to get my MFA later, about 10, 15 years after as well, when I taught a little bit and decided that I wanted to have it for teaching. And my teaching career didn't last long, but it got me back to CalArts and it was fun being there again. Yeah. And I think not only are you attending one of the best art schools, but you you really were at a time in Los Angeles in art production. And like you were saying, going back to graphic design. And I think there was a print that you made for... I don't know if it was the Olympics or... It was, thank you. Yes, for mentioning that. I was one of the 12 artists that was chosen to design one of the official posters for the 84 Olympics. And that happened just as I was graduating from my MFA program at CalArts. And literally, it was just, again, when I was synchronicity, it was, I graduated on a Friday. On Monday, I get this call from the Olympic Committee. They invited 200 artists to apply and to show some work. And then I ended up being in the final 12. So it was such an honor for me. I just couldn't believe leave it. And then, you know, like I said, I've always been an artist. I've always been visual, but I did take a detour slightly into architecture and interior design for about 25 years because I've always loved environments. I've always loved places. And again, we'll bring this all back to color, which relates to me. There's no difference between 2D, 3D design. They all connect. And then it was a little over 10 years ago that I began to have my late term career as an, an artist, just said, kind of went for the next chapter and said, I'm just going to be full-time artist. And I, that's what I've been doing the last 10 years plus. Yeah, that's right. And thank you for bringing that up. Can you describe and illustrate for our viewers how you do see that intersection of interior design and, and architecture that you took your detour on, as well as working with color as an artist? Where do you see those similarities? Well, I guess it's really about my own preferences and desires and what I love. And I just love architecture and I love good design and I also love art. So, you know, I have a hand in both and was delighted to be able to have a career in both. I mean, for me, the environment is so important and tranquility and color has such a big part of that in terms of how you use color in a room, how you use color in furniture and pillows and the mood it brings you into in the same way that you can create moods in paintings. You create moods in different art forms. So, I mean, certainly people create moods in music and they feel a certain way, but color is a very, very big part of it. And since we're talking about color, I find that when I work as an interior designer, I tend to create rooms that are neutral because I believe that the people and the art create the color in the room. So I like a very tranquil palette as a background, you know, mostly in gray tone. Everybody's different. Some people really respond to more beige tones or whites and some people are like to feel comfortable in grays as background you know and there's also different intensities of it and we can go into the color theory later but creating a background and then you know you can have a gray sofa and throw in a red pillow and that completely changes the feeling of that sofa or you could take that away and put in a blue pillow which will make it feel different as well so we can definitely change our moods based on the colors we're in and I remember when I was in school studying the effects of color and I thought about how different color can affect the way you feel and they did a study and they put 
prisoners in pink rooms and found that they immediately calmed them down, especially light tone pink rooms. And then, you know, of course, fast food restaurants tend to use oranges because you get in and out fast. So you take these theories of color and you apply them to rooms and how you want to feel. And maybe you want to feel more awake and you want a bright yellow in a room or you want to feel calmer and you want to bring in a very light tone blue with connect nature colors. So there's a definitely a, a relationship to doing interiors and doing architecture, working with color. And then of course, we all know what mood paintings can bring to us. And I tend to like to work with colors that are harmonious, that are rich, that are saturated in my work. And I'm looking also for a sense of joy, especially in the times we're in right now. So I'm very intent on the work I'm doing right now is to create colors that bring happiness. Yeah. And I think what is so unique in your position as an artist, spending years as an interior designer, as well as an art collector, when you see your own personal space residentially, it's almost like you your palette is your house. Your palette is the art that you collect. Your eye looks at all these variables in your interiors and you almost paint your space like you do your your prints, your collages. Would it be appropriate to call them prints or collages? Because they have such a collage effect, but they're paintings too. There are prints made of my work, but they're originals. They're original paintings. Yes, originals. But I use collage quite a bit, so I think that's fair. And in fact, when I work on my paintings, I generally start cutting out first and creating shapes and collages first. And then I'll trace and I'll paint. So for me, everything stems with collage. I love collage as an art form. So definitely collage is a really appropriate word to use describing my work. But, you know, back to the interiors. Thank you. I appreciate your comment about my home and you know my environment is that to me it's about relationships so depending on what paintings you put next to each other like family members it's like you're having a dinner party and you want to see people next to each other who you think would get along (laughs) yeah that's a good analogy to your artwork yeah the same thing's true with artwork so you know you say oh these two look really good together or they feel right or they're connected or oh no those two don't work together the colors are opposing or whatever is going on so i'm very intentional when i put art together it's how they're relating to each other and i think that's really important to do with you know, when you're creating your environment and your home, or like I said, when you have people over, you know, you want to, it's very intentional. You can definitely make a big difference of who you have over and who you put together. We all know that. Yeah. You are a master networker and relater, not only in your color, but in life, Lori. So bringing it back to the Bauhaus, when Uh I went to the exhibition at the Getty. Yeah, I did too. Wonderful. So how would you see your work as being influenced by the Bauhaus in terms of like when we look at Kandinsky and Paul Clay, because you, to me, have that resonance. It's a musicality in your painting. It's the shapes, the vibrancy of color, the saturation, the way the shapes dance with each other. So I suspect that you did have some influence from that. Yes, and your description is what I try to achieve my work, so I really appreciate that you get that from looking at my work. You know, the Bauhaus is everything to me. Like I said, I was in high school, there was a Bauhaus show, and I don't know why, we don't, you know, that I had such an attraction to it, but I did. And I'm giving my age away because that was the 50-year anniversary of the Bauhaus. We just had the 100-year anniversary of the Bauhaus. But I just had a strong connection to it. And so, of course, I looked at a lot of the work that was done by artists of the Bauhaus. And also when I went to CalArts, I studied quite a bit of art history, 
of many of the artists that were there. And so that is really my foundation for my work. And I guess I always respect and have a historical reference in my work as I do the artists that I admire. So I think their work definitely shows up throughout all my work because I look at it so much and admire it so much. And the basics of color theory, such Mm -hmm. as primary, secondary, tertiary color, is that the model you would work with in color for your art? And how do you think that compares to maybe paint or or interiors as to how that scientific color theory comes into play? Well, I think that what happens is, is that it's a good thing to know. It's like anything else. It's like when you study anything, whether it's piano or dance or art, you have to learn things that are about its foundation. So you get the structure down. But then once you understand that, and let's say you, you understand the notes, and then you go to play a piece on the piano, then your right brain takes over and you're actually playing something. So in my case, I think it was important to have the fundamental background of understanding color fundamentally, as you mentioned, primary colors or secondary colors and the color wheel and intensity and value. I think those are all things to understand because that lets you know what color can do, how to manipulate color to get an effect, basically. So if you want to have something bold and bright, you go full force with your color. And if you want to bring it down, you might add a lot of white to it. And so you bring down the intensity, you can make color softer. So you know, or piamissimo in piano terms. So what is that word? Permissio? Piamissimo, which is soft, soft. Oh, soft. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. And forte, you know, which is loud. So you, I bring only music because I think that all the theories connect in the arts that music and dance and, and painting and even interior, they all, they all connect. It's like same thing in a room. Like if you want to pace it out. You might want to have a place where it's really bright and really wonderful, but you don't want your whole house to be like that because you'd just be on overload. So you might want to have places that it's softer, less going on. And negative space is just as important as what you put on the wall. So leaving space open, for example, negative space, what you don't say is just as important as what you say. It's all about balance. Or like having a meal, you don't want to have all dessert. You want to kind of pace a meal out. So that's the way I think of doing interiors, of pacing it out. So you have places where you feel that there's moments of rest, there's moments of relaxation, but there's moments of you know intensity. And then the same thing going on in a painting. So you feel movement and you feel life, but you also don't want to be overwhelmed. And again, it's all a balancing act. Yeah. And I really appreciate how it is applicable to all of the arts. It really is. Yeah. It's the harmony of the elements and how we connect in that. Exactly. No, it's exciting. And and so again, to go back about using it in painting or I think you understand the theories, but when you're in the process, at least I am, I think most people, artists are when they work, you shift over to your right brain. So you're not really thinking so much about theory at that moment. You're using the color. But then when you're mixing the color, you're certainly going back to the theory again. Because you know, oh, if I put a more white in here, then I'm going to get this effect. If I add more, blend these two colors together, I'm going to get that effect. So, you know, you're kind of always going back right and left. And I am a very right brain person and always tend to lose myself in my work. So I just have a bunch of colors ready to go, colors that I feel up front, and then I go at it. Yeah. And 
that's the feeling and the vibe I get from your paintings that you are really going at it. There's no like, you're no shrinking violet as a painter. (laughs) You know, it's very like you are committing into that color palette. It's so strong. It's emanating. Could you distinguish? And and I sometimes get confused myself studying as a psychotherapist when I was in school, the difference of right brain and left brain, right brain being creativity, left brain being language and processing, right? Well, I think of it this way. I think of right brain being the intuitive part, maybe the feminine part, you know, although of course males have the feminine, you know, there's a balancing of both that goes on in people, but right brain people tend to be more intuitive. And then I would say left brain people perhaps are more scientific or data oriented. Like I am absolutely (laughs) non-technical. You know, there's certain things data, forget it. I just, you know, I couldn't put together basic things and yet I kind of get these abstract ideas. So you know, and our look at things. And also I would say maybe feelings maybe belongs on the right brain column mm-hmm. and statistics belongs on the left brain column. And certainly certain professions, maybe engineers probably rank more on the left brain side and artists tend to rank more on the right brain side. And of course there are variables. It's not all just one or the other. I mean, there's certain people have both. It's just some people maybe dominate a little bit more sometimes in one area or another. Yeah. And you are speaking as an artist and how you you work as an artist. Can you tell us about your process and how your paintings come to life? Yeah. You know, going back to history in Bauhaus, I would say that those works of the period influenced me quite greatly. So I have a lot of books around me of painters of that time and I'm a hunter and a gatherer. So the way that I work is I gather images. I gather images that I love, whether it's, let's say, for example, I did a series called The Divers, The Swimmers. So I got a lot of images of women in, in bathing suits and from the 1940s or 50s. I'm just giving an example of, of you know how it worked. But whatever theme I necessarily start with, and it could be abstract. So it could be something concrete for, I could mention The Divers. So I would get a lot of images of divers. And then I start... Xeroxing a lot of images. Then I start cutting out images. Then I start cutting out shapes of a lot of those images. So I always start with a theme or an idea. I gather images together and then I start cutting up things and cutting up shapes. And so if it's abstract, it works the same way for me. I might just start cutting out a lot of abstract shapes. And so some of them come from my unconscious. I just, you know, would cut around and, you know, whatever comes out comes out. And some are actual shapes that I've literally taken from existing art. And Matisse is a perfect example because I have used a lot of cutouts in my work where I I might take a Matisse nude, I will literally trace it and then put it onto, let's say, a piece of paper. I cut that out and then I will cut that out. So I'll cut out the cutouts. And I got that idea literally through dreaming. One night I woke up from a dream and I said, oh my gosh, I'm going to cut out the cutouts. And I took Matisse cutouts and I cut them up again and rearranged them. And then repainted them in different colors. So, you know, there's a lot of ideas that just come out of my unconscious when I work. And ideas come from nature's, you know, seeing shapes in leaves, seeing shapes in palm trees, you know, shapes come all over the world. So I like to cut up shapes. And so again, back to starting with collage, I start cutting up shapes and then I end up tracing or projecting or photographing or collaging or blowing them up and there are several ways that I work and then painting, you know, from there. 
And I appreciate you also bringing up the unconscious because a lot of the work I do in psychotecture is bringing about how we connect to our true selves in space, as well as how I intervene in helping people arrive at that through a family system or a couple system. And wonderful. Thank you. And I think your artwork now that we're even talking further about it is really opening up to what you apply in your work, like you said, you're, you're working from the unconscious, let's say an image comes up, a theme comes up, right? Like in dreams, we have a theme. And the divers kind of have a place in time. There's kind of a nostalgia around that. Well, you know, that nostalgia is very deliberate because it relates back to my mother, you know, that that's how I visualize her when I was growing up as a child. And I remember those bathing suits and bathing caps from the 1950s and 60s. And, you know, and I have a real love affair with that time period visually, that mid-century time period. And I even live in a mid-century modern house. And so my mother also unfortunately died of breast cancer when she was in her early 60s. And so one of my ways of reconjuring her up in some ways is through my art where I can bring back memories and love by using those images. So that's certainly always prevalent in the back of my unconscious. And, you know, like I said, I tend to take images from things that I'm drawn to out of love, out of that I care for, that I'm drawn to, and then recreate. But you know what I find so fascinating? Again, I love what you were saying that you were doing, but I don't self be true, is the more work that I've been doing now, I seem to sometimes say, oh, I just, I'm just i making the same painting over and over again, but variations of it, because there must be something, and I don't know how, it's like my own language inside. Who knows what the, how that comes out and why that comes out? You know, in the same way artists have their mark, and you go, oh, that's a Kandinsky, that's a Picasso. Well, why is that? Why are they speaking in that language? To me, that's a very unknown thing. <laughs> yeah, it's your own creative language. And right. Where did that come from? I don't know. You know, I just came out of me. I don't I don't know where it came from. I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think that's fascinating to reflect and evaluate where is there like an unconscious coding that we pick up on, or we're looking at as I'm sure you know about Carl Jung. The collective unconscious, of course. And that's the other thing too. You know, sometimes I'll make a piece of work and you've seen this a lot where, you know, artists working at the same time, but didn't connect with each other in the same period, but they're doing similar works. You see that through Europe, you see, you know, you see that and you go, they never met, but they did works that were kind of similar. Are they picking up in the collective unconscious? Exactly. And that's when I look at your work too. It's not only am I seeing something in the collective unconscious, that's why we're all connected to it, right? It relates to the viewer and the experiencer of your work. Is there also, there's a new, not a new concept, but there's a trending concept of biophilia where you're looking at primitive forms in nature and how that's attractive to all of us in that it's an archetypal entrenched image of, let's say, leaves, plants, and that sort of thing too. Yeah. I mean, this is all so interesting. And also we don't know what DNA we carry in with us as well. I mean, there's so many parts of this about time and space, but you know, I don't know that much. I'm not a scientist. I don't 
think in those terms. I just go to my own intuitive place, what I'm drawn to and what I love and, and just explore. And to me, it's about play. I just will start, I go to the studio, you know, you have an idea where you start, let's say a map, but I don't necessarily stay on <laughs> You know, it's like, I'm going to New York, but maybe along the way you take a big detour and you just go, I'll go up to Canada. You know, you, you start with an idea, but you don't know where it takes you. And you have to allow yourself to just take the journey and not be so stuck on an outcome. I just allow the plate to go where it goes. And then you make choices along the way. Of course, you edit and you make choices, but you know, you're, you're making decisions based on just enjoying, at least I do, I'm enjoying the journey of just making art. And I get that feel from your artwork that you're enjoying the journey. It's a journey that is exploratory and playful. And what I found in our most recent interviews on color theories with color experts is that to truly kind of find your palette is to go into the unconscious and play. Absolutely. Play is everything, you know, and, and I, it's the prescription for life. And if people allow themselves to just enjoy themselves and whatever that is, it's just, it's a gift. It's amazing. In your containment as an artist, right, you get that permission to play when you go to your studio. That's so true, yes. Yeah, you have your intention, let's say maybe your roadmap, but you say, you know what, today I have to commit to that exploration and it's discovery and it's experimentation. And you can connect even as I know you, your personality is, can be playful, you know, your ability to relate, to connect, to go into different worlds. And I think you speak to that as a person as well as your artwork. What do you think when you create these pieces, what do people say? Like, how do they connect to your artwork? Because that's what I get is that connection to this musicality and this play that that does keep things lighter. And like you're saying, in a pretty ominous time, it gives you that permission is what I get from your work. Well, thank you again. And I mean, it's what I'm trying to achieve. And, you know, what I try to do is personally is work on my own self and look for joy and to be able to do things that are positive in my life. And so I'm hoping, my hope is that that does come through my work. And again, I'm grateful as can be every day. There's not a day that doesn't go by that I don't have gratitude for what I do. And then I'm able to actually do this for a living. And then I've been able to get galleries and be represented all over the world. It's just, I pinch myself all the time about that because to be able to do what you love is just the greatest pleasure on earth as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it really is. And it's you living out your passion. And can you talk about the evolution of your work as to how it is now and tell our viewers about your upcoming show and what you will be showing? Well, I think what you're referring to is actually just opened this last Saturday, a show in New Orleans. As we all know, that COVID has changed everything. So all things that were planned just got thrown by the wayside this year. I was supposed to have be in a group show in Montreal in August. That was postponed. And I was supposed to be working towards a solo show in New Orleans next April. And that particular show that was going to open next April was coinciding with the jazz festival. So this particular series I did with jazz in mind. So I think when you're picking up on some of the musicality and the current work, it's intentional because when I work, I listen to pretty much all jazz, especially working on this particular series. 
And most of it's jazz from the 1940s through the 60s. They're classic jazz artists. And a lot of it's women artists, you know, like a, a Billie Holiday or a Ella Fitzgerald. And so that show was postponed. We're keeping it open, but we'll probably put that on the String Jazz Fest of 2022, I have a feeling. But in the meantime, much of that work had to do with color, not only because of my own intuition, but because it was going to New Orleans. And New Orleans is a city that's about color and about music. And so I shipped some of that work to my New Orleans gallery. And she included several of those pieces in the new show about color that just opened this last Saturday. I think that's what you're referring to. Yeah, because that was the synchronicity when I got the invite. (laughs) It's a show on color. And I had been wanting to interview you. So it was just such perfect timing. So that show's on now. It's actually in New Orleans at the Greider Gallery, which is in the Arts District in New Orleans. And she will be having that show up Virtually, it's not there yet because she's working on the technology, but hopefully it's in the gallery itself, but it will get up on the website virtually, hopefully soon. And that the show will be up through, I believe, the end of November. And it's a show on color. Obviously, your work speaking to the vibrancy of the world of color. And these are about jazz and the musicality of how, obviously, what a place for your work to be to express what jazz is in a painting. It's been something I've been wanting to do for a while. And and it was, again, synchronicity that the director of the gallery just loved the concept. And we decided we'll do this during the Jazz Fest and I make the series. And so that's what I've been working on since COVID began. And it's been a great escape (laughs) for me to be in the studio constantly and doing these pieces. It's been just uplifting and and helpful. And I think an homage because just with COVID, so many of our, our jazz greats have passed. And I found that to be just a very sad yeah. part of this time is the greats and how particularly I love jazz. And I didn't realize this is jazz fest time right now. Is that? No, it's not. I didn't mean to confuse you. The jazz fest time is in April. So originally. Oh, that's in April. Okay. We were planning for a solo show for April, but I had sent her some pieces in advance because she uh, just opened up the gallery again. She had a partner that she bought out and just opened up as a solo woman owner of a gallery and had it just had her opening this past Saturday. So I sent her some pieces so she could use them in the opening on color perception because they absolutely related to that as well. So that's how they ended up in this particular show. But there will be a show coming up originally to be this April, but probably the April after during Jazz Fest. It will be a, a solo show that I'll be having in New Orleans on the Jazz Series. Oh, fantastic. I definitely want to come to that. Yeah, I'm excited about it. And I, you know, it's funny, New Orleans was a place that I always wanted to go to and I had never been before and I have nieces that live there and I had a sister who lives in the East Coast and we've been trying to plan a trip to go. So I just went this last December before COVID, thank goodness. And I just had an instant love of that city. I just love the colors, the feeling, everything. I just fell in love. And while I was there, again, synchronicity, I met the owner of this gallery and we connected instantaneously. She looked at my work and went on my website and said, oh my gosh, I just love you and want to represent you. And so it's been a fantastic connection for me. And this is exciting to be in her first inaugural show. And it's the perception of color. And what other artists will be in that show? I wish I could tell you the names. I'm, you know, it's terrible because I'm, I'm not there and I can't, unfortunately, I couldn't go to the opening. But if you go on the Grider website, she also has an Instagram account. It's on Grider Gallery. And so certainly please look it up 
and there's a list of the other artists in it. If I'd known you were asking me that question, I would have been prepared and had all the other artist names, but I believe there's just six or seven artists. In- oh, it's, well, it's a group show. It's a group show, correct. Gotcha. Okay. So it's a group show. Yeah. So I have two pieces in that show and delighted to be in her inaugural. Again, she's had a partner. She's been in the New Orleans Art District for a while, but then bought out her partner and opened again as a solo young woman owner. And I'm so proud of her because she's a young entrepreneur and, and loves art and has a fantastic gallery. So I'm so pleased to be with her and such a great partner to be working with. She's dynamo. She is a dynamo. Yeah. You've met her. Yeah. She's dynamo. So it's, it's exciting for me. It's, it's great to have a relationship with a gallerist that you can, you know, two and two makes five when it comes to, you know, collaborating. So we had this idea and then we just bounce ideas off each other. And so that was the birth of the idea for us doing the jazz show. And certainly for me, jazz is about color as well. And especially New Orleans, bringing all that together. And that's why the pieces that were chosen for her inaugural show worked well in the Perception of Color show. And is that what she wanted out of the Perception of Color? Was that her connection to color was about jazz? Is that her reason for calling it? Totally separate. It just happened to be the theme of my pieces. Okay. The other artists have complete different concepts in their work. But my piece is connected to jazz and to color. But she was really wanting the perception of color to be her opener. Exactly. And, you know, it was a great idea. And it coincides, as I mentioned, she her gallery is located in an arts district in New Orleans. And so she's a member of the arts district. And they had an opening with all the galleries in the area. I think it's about three or four blocks. Of, they're mostly contemporary galleries in New Orleans on Julia Street. And so she pushed little quicker than she was ready. That's why it's not ready online yet to get it open along with the other galleries that had an opening this past Saturday. Well, we look forward to getting that online viewing of the exhibition soon. And and that will be exciting. Exciting. I can't wait to see it either. I haven't seen it myself. Yeah. And that'll keep us in suspense. And for others who might want to purchase your work or look more into your work, where could they go? Is there a website or a LA-based dealer? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. In Los Angeles here, I'm represented at Skidmore Contemporary Arts, which is at Bergamot in Santa Monica, and also Tufekian, which is in Glendale. And you can go to my website, which just is lauriraskin.com. And also I have some work up at Saatchi, which is an online art place. And I, I'm just thinking locally because we're you know, talking from Los Angeles, but since you're doing the podcast, who knows where it can go. I also have other galleries, mostly in Europe, in Paris, in Brussels. You know, I, I think the best way is to get the information is off my website. Okay, great. And because you're such a L.A. artist that really just speaks to our city and how you have evolved and going to CalArts, what is your sense of how art is moving right now with COVID and what is your, your sense of where we're moving? You know, I can only speak to myself about that. I think everyone has their own experiences with COVID. So I don't know where it's moving, except that certainly I know that my artist friends have hunkered down and are pretty busy doing work, which is great. I mean, I think we've used this as an opportunity to, to really devote ourselves to our art. But, you know, that's a hard to answer question. I can only answer my own personal relationship to it. And for me, I cannot believe how much work I've gotten done. I mean, I've really used it as a time to be very focused. And, you know, you have to make lemons out of lemonade. And it's this time that is 
truly tragic for so many people. And my heart breaks for those who have been affected physically and emotionally and financially. But, you know, on a personal note, it's been, I don't want to, again, mitigate, you know, the suffering that's gone on because of COVID. But, you know, I've just tried to focus as well as I can to just being appreciative to doing my own work, to spending time with my husband and having social distance meetings with friends, you know, outdoors. But, you know, really the work itself has been a a saving grace for me. And you have, with the work that you have been selling too, I mean, you're prolific as well as you're successful. I know, that's so strange. You know, I can't believe it. I've spoken to quite a few galleries. People are selling. I mean, I think that maybe people are hungry for feeling artistic connection and also people are traveling less. So maybe their budget is allowing them to buy art. But yes, I've been selling during this time, which has been a real blessing for me. Well, I also think your work has the ability to elicit joy, elicit connection, and feel a higher vibrancy. So as we're looking at our collection and our interiors as to what we want to look at. Right. It's true. I would want to look at your art. Oh, well, thank you. I'm again, I'm honored that you feel that way. Yeah. I mean, I very much believe that what we're surrounded with, not only the people, but what's on our walls is, you know, affects us. We're taking that in. It's what we're breathing. It's our life force. So yes, I like to be connected with work and my own collection and in what I make that uplifts my spirit, basically. Yes, it is uplifting to the spirits. And when we're talking about what we live with, in people, how we curate our lives and curate our walls. I think you're speaking to what we really connect to in our highest selves, in interiors, in art, in people. And I think this harmony that you're speaking to in your artwork really ties it all together. And that's why I was so jazzed, no pun. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you so much, Rachel. I'm so honored that you have even asked me and that you have that kind of appreciation. I'm truly grateful to you for that. And it is what I aspire to and what I'm always working towards. And so you being able to share in your experience, you talking about your artwork, your history with color and how you continue to build, grow and expand. And even in the harder times to have this show opening up in New Orleans, I hope I'm saying it right, is kind of back to soul. And I really, really feel grateful to be on this path with you? Yeah, we're having to rethink things all the time. I mean, sometimes you get thrown, like we've been all thrown off, but then we have to decide to take the situation and figure what can we do this? Where can we go now that this is happening? Now what do we do? So, you know, it's, it's again, taking things and hopefully in my case, trying to spin it into a positive personal journey. And I think your artwork speaks to that. As you talked about your maybe not so much nostalgia, but an homage to your mother. And this time is to commemorate, to keep a memory living on generationally. We talk in story and image. Mm -hmm. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's a beautiful process. And I hope that art always connects us to that lineage and memory. And I really love how that diver piece speaks to that. So... Lori, your universal connection as an artist, as a person, as a colorist, as 
a painter, I am so appreciative of the time for you to share your genius and your brightness. And I will encourage all of you viewers to please check out Lori's site and the show coming up soon. So thank you. Thank you so much again, Rachel. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. And I hopefully we will do this again at some point. I hope so too. This is Psychotecture by Rachel Malvald with coaching, consultation, and psychotherapy offered virtually and in home throughout the Los Angeles greater area and nationally. We work to ease design challenges to create transformative habitats. Thank you, and we look forward to the next episode and your questions, so don't forget to subscribe.